This is Radio Influence, podcasting redefined. Hello, welcome to another episode of The Rock Stops Here. No BS, we tell it just like it is. And today, if you are a baseball fan, oh my God, if you're a Yankees fan, you're going to be out of your mind with these stories. If you don't like the Yankees, even if you're not a baseball fan, these are life stories coming at you today on The Rock Stops Here with none other than one of the greatest stories that I've ever heard. I wonder if it would happen in this day and age. And you know what? The story is still being told. Ray Negrone is my guest. Ray Negrone has been working for the New York Yankees for 48 years. He was a kid in the Bronx. He was drawing graffiti on Yankee Stadium. He got caught. He was brought to a holding cell. George Steinbrenner brought him in. Get that kid a uniform. He's going to pay off his debt for writing graffiti. And the night that he wrote the graffiti on Yankee Stadium as a kid, he was suited up in the Yankees pinstripes as a bat boy. His assignment was down the right field line. He's going to tell the story. He's told it many times. But, oh, my God, he gets very emotional. He cries several times in uh, in, in this podcast. Uh, and... He just, his, George Steinbrenner gave him a shot 48 years ago, and he is still working for the New York Yankees today, community consultant. He's out there in the community representing the Yankees 48 years. What a story. Without further ado, oh my God. Oh, here he is. New York Yankees, Ray Glone. All right, Ray. Let, let's 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 set the stage. Before this is this is Ray Negron. What you know? Well, it came from Bat Boy. Forty-eight years was it? Maybe that long ago. Still with the Yankees organization in the community. Everything that you do, Ray. But where we are doing this podcast, we are taping it in the first base dugout of the legendary Miller Huggins. Stengel Field in St. Petersburg, where the greats, the greats had spring training. Joe DiMaggio. Oh, huh? Huh, Ray? You know what? It's always, uh, for me, every day is an exciting moment when I get to be on this field. Because, the you know, I've known all the greats, but I didn't know the greats. Root. Garrick, you know, Bill Dickey, you know, I mean, Tony Lazari. I mean, they were all here. Their spirits are all here. But at the same time, I got to know DiMaggio a little bit. Not a lot, but a little bit because he was around for Old Timers Day and all that kind of stuff. Of course, Billy Martin was my heart and soul, you know, so I go to second base all the time. I like to stand out on that field and just feel Billy, you know? Or sometimes I'll, I'll sit out and write feel when I'm, when I'm in writing mode, because you know I've done five books, right. and they were all born here. Wow. So I go to write feel to feel the babe, wow. to feel the essence of what would the babe give me to put into the book, especially when you're dealing with children. Yeah, on, yeah. on, 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 but you can feel it, man. There's stories and ghosts and here where the Yankees, the legendary Yankees train. That's where we're doing this podcast. Now, I know you don't have to do it lengthy. I know that you've told a story a million times, but for those that didn't hear the story, when you were a kid, you were, yeah, you were writing graffiti on Yankee Stadium. How old were you, Ray? 17. 17 years old. And please, please. Well, uh, at 17... Uh, I was outside Yankee Stadium and somebody had dared me to do some graffiti on the wall out there, which was, you know, you didn't do. You did it everywhere else, but you didn't do it on Yankee Stadium. And so I did. All of a sudden, a car comes up to on the sidewalk. Two guys jump out. Everybody starts to run. I, I trip on one of the guy's foot and I stumble. I'm caught. I'm taken to a holding cell. Oh, boy. From the holding cell, after about 20 minutes, the two guys come back, and one guy says, give me the kid. 
they grab me, they walk me to the Yankee locker room. Remember, the holding cell was in Yankee Stadium. There was a precinct. The 44th precinct was a part of the main precinct, which was literally uh, across the way. Got you. So what happened was they they grabbed me out of the cell. They walked me to the Yankee locker room. And from the Yankee locker room, all of a sudden, the one guy that you could tell was the boss says, give him a uniform. He's got damage. He's going to work off. And that night, I was the bad boy for the New York Yankees. And the guy that had caught me was George Steinbrenner. That You know, when I think about I've heard that story so many times. And still to this day, that's the most almost unbelievable story where here you are hours before a kid graffiti on Yankee Stadium and then you are in uniform as a, a, a bat boy or working at that night. That must have been so surreal. To this day, I still haven't gotten over that. You, you understand? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it, number one, the first player to come up to me, I'll never forget, was Ron Bloomberg. Okay, oh, yeah. who that year had become the first designated hitter in Major League Baseball. And so when they brought me in, it's like the players were just staring at me. You know what I'm saying? They were just staring like, who is this guy? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, what's happening here? And Bloomberg being Bloomberg just came up to me. He was like first staring with a big brown bag and he was like just pulling and sticking stuff in his mouth Got you. so then he comes over to me he goes hey i'm ron bloomberg how you doing and then he goes you want a bagel <laughs> <laughs> and he handed me a bagel you are kidding i, I had me. no idea what the hell a bagel was at the time you understand kid from the bronx yeah it's just that puerto ricans didn't eat bagels unbelievable you know and so it, it, it was just a cute moment that to this day we still talk about that yes. because he was the first guy wow. to come over and extend and and you know like Munson was there Mercer Bobby Mercer and Mel Stottlemyre and, and Doc Medich and they were just like staring at me and like laughing you know like you know, what the hell you know so it's it was it was just a, a, a crazy crazy moment Dick Hauser introduced himself to me. Uh, he was responsible. He was the third base coach who was responsible for the balls and batting, setting up batting practice and all that kind of stuff. So he told me, he said, do you know how to play baseball? You know, can you defend yourself? So I said, I could play a little bit. Uh -huh. So he told me, go to the outfield and, and shag balls out there. Oh, my you know? God. Would that happen in this day? You know, and, age? and then when the game was about to start, finally, you know, they told me what to do, all that kind of stuff. That game, I was the ball boy down the right field line. And uh, so when the game was about to start, the players are getting ready. So, you know, I'm seeing this. I'm in the dugout. Oh, my God. And, and so all of a sudden, Bobby Mercer says, uh, Where they got you? I said, I'm down the right field line. So he goes, Take your stool down the right, take your stool and put it there. Go to, and come right back. So I ran out, put the stool down where I would be. Yeah. And I came back. And then he goes, okay, when Eddie Layton, the organist, plays, here come the Yankees. When we run out, you run out with us. Oh, my God. You know what I'm saying? Oh. And so oh. I ran out with the Yankees. Oh, my you know, God. It, it was, a, cute, it was a, a very cute moment. It was just very, very sweet. And, and, and then that ended, you ended up being the bat boy, I, one of the bat boys from the Yankees. After the game, Steinbrenner came up to me. He says, did you have a good time? I said, I had a great time. You want to keep the job? I said, yeah. And he said, you'll never do graffiti here again. He said, but not just that. I want you to go and speak to your guys. I don't want, I don't, I don't want to know who they are. I don't want to get you in any trouble that way because he understood the code of the streets. He says, just let them know that I'm doing this for you. And I'm not trying to pat myself in the back. It's just that if they're your friends, they won't mark up the stadium anymore so that you can keep your job. Wow. And that's what happened. Wow, 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 wow. So it ended up, like I said, it growing. I, I, I know you formed relationships with these superstars in the game that's that was a big thing wasn't it for you for for me you know what 
the aspect, the element of me being a street kid. Yeah. Helped me ah. with Reggie Jackson, with Thurman Munson. How so? With Billy Martin. Because, number one, Billy was a street guy. You understand? And you know what's ironic about me and Billy Martin? The most important person in his life was his mom. The most important person in my life was my mom. Both our mothers were named Jenny. Oh, my God. You know God. what I'm saying? Oh, my God. Both our moms were named Jenny. And uh, he just took a liking to me for whatever the reason and just looked out for me. And that was the one thing that him and George Steinbrenner had in common, that they both looked out for me. I see. And it was like, hey, we'll take care of the kid, watch the kid, ba ba ba. But then all of a sudden, when we get, ended up getting Reggie Jackson, and like Reggie, you know, like in essence made the statement, or so-called, supposedly made the statement, uh, I'm the straw that stirs the drink, and Thurman Munson can only stir it bad. <laughs> Okay, which he said to this day, he says he never said that. You know, he says, I didn't say that. He may have said whatever he said, but he says, I didn't say Thurman could stir it back. I see, I see. But he did you say the stir the drink, though, right? You know, he won't admit that. Oh. Okay. You understand? I see. And so, uh, but he likes it now, the straw that stirs the drink. Sure. You know, and, and so when all that went down, when we were going on the road and all that, he would talk to me in Spanish because he spoke f fluent Spanish. So we became very friendly. I see. And one day George Steinbrenner called me in his office, in the office, and Billy was there. And so George goes, we understand that you and Jackson have developed a, a, a strong relationship. So I got scared, you know what I'm saying? And I looked at Billy, and Billy w was my guy. You know, I mean, that sure. was you know he was yeah yeah you're he you know he he was a gangster. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? He was a gangster. And so I looked at Billy and I said, "Do you want me to stop?" You know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. And Billy looked at me and he goes, "No, absolutely not. I can't stand the son of a yeah, but." Your relationship with him helps the team. So do that. Be his friend. I see that he's good to you. Wow. And he says to me, if I ever find, I said, a man, he said, right, let me tell you something. You treat a man the way the man treats you. And if this guy has been good to you, then you be good to him. Regardless of the fact that I'm your guy, regardless of the fact I can't stand him. But you know what? I'm here to win. And in essence, it, it's helping the team. So you do that. And if I ever found, had I ever found that that you unfriended him because of me, even even though he was good to you, mm -hmm. I'd have a problem being your friend. Wow. How about well, that? That was a valuable, valuable lesson. Yeah. Yeah. Was it... Uh when you're in the moment, sometimes you don't realize the Yankees, that was a, 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 a traveling show. I mean, the, the fandom, uh, the greatness. Did you realize it at the time when you were going through it, Ray? It was the greatest show on earth, okay? It was the greatest show on earth. And I used to like to say... When I got there, strap in. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? To this day, Willie Randolph asked me, because he's read all my stuff. You know, I'm writing all the time. And he says, damn, how do you remember everything? And I said, Willie, you got to understand, I wasn't a player. So I go in. And I'm observing everything and everyone and having the time of my life. Wow. I said, when all that stuff was going on with Thurman and Reggie and this and that, I, you know, I, I was going through a lot of stress. But at the same time, I was having a blast. You know what I'm saying, Rock? I was doing what the whole world wanted to do at that time with that team. Who wouldn't want to be inside there oh observing God. the greatest oh show on earth? You know what I'm saying? You know, I, and I'm just thinking of this, Ray. I, I can imagine. I'm just, I wonder. Did you also get any kind of jealousy 
from anybody at all the fact that, you know, hey, you got the opportunity, you took it and ran. But the position you were in and being with the Yankees, and even as the years go on still, did you ever deal with that at all or no? We, uh, we're going to hit that right okay. now because okay. that's important. First, let yeah. me just say this. We had a bat boy by the name of Sam Carey. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. We had a bad boy by the name of Sam Carey. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm sorry if I'm acting like a fan with this video thing. Okay. Okay. But I this is this it's yes, it's please. an important it's an important story. Yes. We had a bad boy by the name of Sam Carey. Okay. George Steinbrenner found he was a, a he was a a little black kid. Uh-huh. Steinbrenner found him outside just hanging out. George Steinbrenner, who was very hands-on, especially then, saw that the parking lot where the players parked, which was right across the street from the stadium, was dirty. So he went and got a broom and started sweeping it himself. Mr. Steinbrenner? Mr. Steinbrenner, okay? And then he saw Sam, and he goes, why aren't you in school? And Sam said, well, we don't have school today. He says, you want to help me? And he says, yeah. Steinbrenner walked into the stadium, came out with a second broom. He said, hey, he handed it to Sam. He said, help me sweep up the place. Okay. And so they swept up. After they finished, Steinbrenner says, come with me. He took him to the visitor's locker room. The equipment manager for the visitors was there. He says, put this kid to work. And he made him a bat boy. Incredible. Okay. Incredible. And so Sam was there for like four years. Uh-huh. What happened with Sam was that after four years, he, uh, he left. Steinbrenner calls me to his office. He goes, hey, I haven't seen Sam in a while. What happened to Sam? And I said, Sam joined the circus. And he goes, wait a minute. <laughs> what are you talking about? I said, Sam joined the circus. He left and he's touring around the country in the circus. And Steinbrenner goes, what a stupid kid. And I said, why do you say that, boss? And he goes, Doesn't, didn't Sam realize that he was already in the circuit? <laughs> <laughs> okay. That is great. I mean, that is great. It's one of the great non-told stories of all time involving George Steinbrenner. And I, I love it. That is, that is tremendous. And you're telling me that Sam really did though travel with the circus? He really did go to the circus. Oh my God. Oh my God. Um, how long? How long? How long did you end up being a bat boy? And then, then yeah, you know, I know you, what you've done with the Yankees. But what happened was, let me tell you this: when they took me out of the holding cell, uh -huh. the guy that was with the boss, uh -huh. I, I I never mentioned his name, okay, because he's a bad for me, uh -huh. a bad man, okay. And so what happened was. This guy was saying, you can't help these people. You can't help these people. Hmm. And Steinbrenner told him, shut the up. Yeah. Okay? I'm the owner, and I'm going to do what I want to do. And so what happened was he took him saying that as a, as, like, I'm going to show you that we can help people. And so that's why he got the incentive to give me that job. Wow. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Because initially when they first put me in the holding cell, the guy said, that's where they belong. You understand what I'm saying? That's where they belong. And you're hearing that too? And it bothered him. And he left. And in the process of the walk, something hit him. He turned around and came back. And he says, I'm going to do something for that kid. Why well, say? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, that's how that happened. And that's why he wanted, like he said, Steinbrenner told me after the game, he said, you heard what so-and-so said about you, right? And I said, yes, I did. And he says, number one, I'm sorry about that. He says, but I need you to do something for me. And I said, I would do anything for you after what you've done for me. That's okay. And, uh, wow. He said, 
help me prove this guy wrong. Help me prove him wrong. Please don't let me down. Don't let me down. Help me prove this son of a wrong. Wow. And that's... I never knew that part about it because I was wondering what it was that you took the ball and ran with it. Years later, when he started to get sick, I wanted to make sure that I was able to thank him properly. And I said, you know, boss, I just want to make sure you know, I've, I never probably said it. And I'm just thinking about it now since I'm a dad. I just want to be able to say to you, thanks for doing what you did for me. And he said, I didn't do anything for you. He said, your story was already told the day I met you. Oh my God. I mean, oh my God, Ray. It's good to, to, to just let it, you know, let it out. I, I can see. He, he basically was like your father. He was your father, almost your, your father he, to you, Ray? He was a great friend. He was a great friend. You know, I mean, he's the father of his four kids. And I like to, I like to be able to say that he was a good father to his kids. As best as he could be considering he belonged to the world. Right. And he belonged to the world. He's revolutionized sports. He revolutionized the Yankees. He brought the Yankees back to prominence. And uh, and you know what? When when you're the father of a man of that stature and that power and that power, sometimes I'm sure that it had to have been very hard for them to have to share their father with the world. Yeah. And those four kids had to share their father with the world. I wasn't, he wasn't a father to me. He was a great friend who, in essence, I, I believe strongly in God. And I know that I'm one of the messengers. So I was, I was just there, like he said, I was just there to do what I was supposed to, what I was brought here to do. It's incredible. You know, you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And 48 years later, I'm still with the team where so many aren't. And I'm with the team because I have followed the divine interventions orders. You understand? I have followed the orders. So all I've done is follow orders and do my job. You, you follow me on Instagram. You yes. see what my job is. Oh. And I continue to do that. And I, I do it for God. And I do it for George Steinbrenner. Because, I again, that was the promise. That was the promise. That I would always do the right thing. Let me point something out to you. There were like 12 kids outside Yankee Stadium one day. That guy... That was with George. Uh -huh. Saw me bring him up, bring the the kids into the stadium. I took them up to the upper deck because it was empty. The upper deck was empty. I mean, those kids had never been inside Yankee Stadium. Rock, answer the question: Why? Why had they never been? Even though they lived in the neighborhood, why had they never been inside Yankee Stadium? They probably didn't have the money. Thank you. They couldn't afford it. Sure. So I snuck him in. The guy went to the boss and he said, Negron's at it again. You know, they're always like, uh -huh, you know what I'm Negron is at it again. What do you do now? He snuck his friends into the park. His friends. Oh, you understand what I'm saying? Jeez. So then he goes, tell him to get his ass over here right now. So he went and got me uh, and, and he says, Mr. Steinbrenner wants you in his office. So come on, let's go. So and I stayed quiet, went into his office, and the and the boss goes, "I got it from here. Good job, thank you." Uh, guy leaves. So the boss goes, "How many?" I said, "Actually, 14. He goes into his pocket, 
pulls out a couple of hundred. Remember the seventies, a couple of hundreds, a lot of money. Right. He says, get them, get them some caps and get them some uh, hot dogs and some Cokes. When you run out of money, come back. You hear what I'm saying? See, that's the side that a lot of people don't know about. Oh, I, it, it, it gets even better. About maybe the next homestand, I brought the kids back. Now that guy doesn't know what's happened. Uh -huh. The trans, uh -huh. you understand? Uh -huh. So I, I, the kids come back, I take them upstairs. The reason I was able to get them in is because one of the security guys knew the score. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But he's not, so he knew not to say nothing. Yeah. So I bring them, take them upstairs. The guy sees that I've taken them upstairs. He goes back to the boss. He's doing it again. And so the boss says, take me to him. He took him to the, uh, to the upstairs, to the upper deck. And he sat with us for a couple of innings. Oh, ha, ha. You know what I'm saying? You know? And that picture's out there someplace uh, of, him, uh, of him sitting in the upper deck. Oh, my God. There was, there was years ago, a guy I knew was trying to start a, a girls, women's baseball, hardball league in Tampa Bay. And he did, and he needed some equipment. He was able to get a quick little pitch to Mr. Steinbrenner. And he told me, he said, how much do you need? He gave him more than he needed, and he said, but if you tell anybody, then I'm going to take some of this money back. And just things like that. I mean, you probably got like, a, there's a thousand stories like that. Listen, I did want to ask you, I remember when Doc Gooden was having his struggles. And always, had, you know, when you're an addict like that, there's, you know, it's day to day. As we all know the story of Doc Gooden, how great he was. But it would always be like you'd see Ray Negron. Ray Negron. Were you, was that, did that just happen to try to help him as a mentor uh, during that time with Doc Gooden? Let me put it to you like this. Growing up, there were seven boys in my house. Okay? There were seven boys in my house. And the reason for that was because my mother's brother uh -huh. had lost his home. So they moved in with us. We all lived together. Okay, there were 13 kids in the house. Okay? And of the seven boys, uh -huh. I'm last man standing. Okay? You know, drugs, sure. alcohol, jail, you know, you name it. And because of the Yankees, I was, I, it, it prevented me from messing around like that. I see. You, you understand what yes, I'm saying? Yes. So, but I understood the culture. I've always understood the culture of drugs, drug abuse, etc. From the standpoint of Brooklyn, the Bronx. You understand? I see, yeah. I yeah. knew drug dealers. I grew up with plenty of drug dealers. You know, who they remained my friends because, you know, they didn't do anything to me. And they would never, because I was with the Yankees, uh -huh. they would never. They would mess with you. Mess with, want to. Like one time I remember asking about trying cocaine mm -hmm. and the guy would not give it to me how about that you know what i'm saying i was just that? curious yeah yeah sure sure sure. he asked with the curiosity yeah, yeah, yeah. you know curiosity killed the cat asshole uh -huh. is what the guy said to me <laughs> no kidding and so another time another time i was spiritually hurting so bad i was spiritually hurting so bad that i wanted to check out you understand what I'm saying? Wow. I wanted to check out. And um, one of my, uh, I knew a guy, again, mm -hmm. because of where I came from. So I knew mm -hmm. where, where can I get guns? Or I knew I, all that stuff, Rock. Mm -hmm. You know? And uh, so I said to this one guy, I called him up and I said, you know, the neighborhood's really, really getting tough. Uh -huh. And I need to protect myself and my family. I said to him. And so then I said, uh, would you give me a weapon that I could protect myself with? You understand what I'm saying? Uh -huh. And again, I wanted it because I just 
I was tired. I was mm -hmm. hurting and I wanted to leave. And so he said, uh, I'll, le uh, I'll take it over to your house and I'll leave it under the, I'll leave it under the, uh, the bed. Okay. And so bragging, the guy told another friend of mine mm -hmm. what I had asked him about. Mm -hmm. And the guy said, do not give him that weapon. Are you crazy? Do not give him the weapon. You know what I'm saying? And so when I had gotten home that night, again, because it was just, like I said, I was going through something very, very difficult. And um, when I got home, I went under the bed and it wasn't there. Thank God. And it wasn't there. And so then I left and came down to Florida, which is how I found the Tampa St. Pete situation and the boss was here you know and uh, you know he was he was great because what had happened was I had had a falling out with him and I had you know, I you know I thought I was a tough guy. I was mm -hmm. gonna be the next Al Pacino. I had mm -hmm. been doing a couple of movies, you know. So I got hot, and I did three movies in a row. And then I moved to California. And then I went there to do a TV series, and by the time I got there, it got canceled after the second show. You know, it was uh, called Bay City Blues with Michael Nori. And it got canceled. By the time I moved there, it was canceled. Uh -huh. And then I couldn't land anything. Uh -huh. You know, Hollywood sure. is, you know. You, sure. You know, and the boss had told me, he had said to me, you want to be the next Al Pacino and all this stuff, you know. You know, but. You got to go find out for yourself. Yeah, though. I had to find out for myself. And then I'm the type of guy that was very proud. And so in essence, I didn't want to come running to the boss. Uh. So anyway, I moved down here to the house I'm in now. My wife said, George Steinbrenner is doing a speaking engagement over here. So I said to her, don't go there because I knew she would go we were we were struggling I say we were struggling uh -huh. to the point whereas you know we were literally on food stamps that's how bad it got <laughs> and she went anyway she didn't tell me where she was going and she took my son so you see that picture yes she took my son so she took him up to him. <laughs> uh. <clears throat> she took him up to him and said hello to get an autograph. And he said to her, nice, be beautiful little boy, what's his name? And she said, Joey Negron. He said, I used to know a Negron. And she said, I know. That's his son. Oh, my God. And then she told him what happened. Ah. <laughs> uh. And the next day, he, he sent his guy, somebody that worked for him, with an envelope with some money. Knowing that I wouldn't take it, he gave it to my son. Wow. Wow. And uh, he gave it to my son. And then after that, you know, we checked up on me and 
And that's when I went to work with him, back to work with him. And the first thing that I was doing for him was, since I was down here, was look out for Doc Gooden. Is so that that's is how that's how it became. I never knew. Yeah. Always curious. You're the I first say. guy really like telling this story like sure. this too. Oh man, I appreciate you, know? you just. Uh, and so it was telling. I see. Telling Doc. I mean, ran into Doc. I was actually introduced to him by a writer by the name of Bob Clappish. Oh yeah. And so then I told the boss. Can we help Dwight? So it started just help him. Help him with his drug thing. He, he didn't owe him anything. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. He was suspended from baseball. He said, help him out. Do what you can for him. The boss knew that I knew the culture. I Now it all makes sense. Okay. I see. And he said, help him in whatever way you can. So we started like that. And then as time progressed, it was like we started playing catch. From playing catch, I started setting up a, a workout program with a guy named Larry Mayo, you know, a trainer that, used to, in, that lived down here, had a program. Uh -huh. And uh, my, some of my friends that lived down here came to hit against Doc. You know what I'm saying? And then as time progressed, it was like I said to the boss, Mrs. Steinbrenner, I, I think this guy might be able to help you. <clears throat> you know? And so then the rest is history. Unbelievable, right? Unbelievable. I did not know that. All right. Just uh, where you are now. I mean, we can go on for Oh, for but I got to tell you please, one more thing. Please, please, please. You know, Doc came back. Mm-hmm. Doc had a horrible spring training. Remember that? Yes, I do. Different people told Mr. Steinbrenner, drop it. Right. I don't know why I even listened to Negron in the first place. What does he know? All this uh, stuff. The boss wouldn't. Then someone recommended that they set him down to the minor leagues. The boss didn't. David Cohn gets aneurysm. I remember that. Doc pitches that game, pitches a no-hitter. No-hitter. Well, he pitched the game before that, did good. He brought him back, pitched again, did good. This is while Cone had the aneurysm. So he took that spot in the rotation. You know, it was like three games in, I guess, if I can remember correctly. Uh -huh. And then Doc's father got sick. Doc's father gets sick. Heart needs heart surgery doc was you remember how close he was to his father oh he, he right? started you crying on a show when i asked him about his dad when he came on yeah. the with me yes exactly. yes I, I was like whoa so in new york <clears throat> he's supposed to pitch against the seattle mariners but his father's getting operated on they told him go home go home go home and doc said that i gotta pitch and then i'll go and that's when he pitched that game. In between innings, he was crying. He went through five shirts, you know, from the anxiety, the sweat, everything else. That. I didn't know that. You know, one of you know, one of the shirts is actually hanging in my house. And so he pitched the game, pitches the no hitter. Caught the first flight out in the morning. Gets to the hospital. Is running in as he runs in. Who's sitting there? George Steinbrenner. He was there by his bedside at the hospital. Yeah. Steinbrenner walked in, went over to the bed, and Dan put up his hand and said, "Please, please continue to take care of my son." You know what I'm saying? Of which George said, I promise you I will. Wow. wow, wow, wow and he wow. lived up to his promise. Remember, he went to Cleveland. Yep. And then he went to, uh, then after the couple of years in Cleveland, he he, he was traded, or he, he signed with uh, Houston. 
Houston traded him to Tampa. Uh, okay. Tampa released him. Yes. He was wandering the streets. I called the boss and I said, boss, I'm getting nervous because he doesn't. And he said, where is he? I said, he's here. And he said, take him to the minor league camp tomorrow. We'll sign him to the rookie league and we'll just wait it out. So he did that. Doc went to the rookie league. Two weeks in, we're short a pitcher. We're playing a day-night doubleheader, Shea Stadium, Yankee Stadium. Steinbrenner says, told Tory, pitch good. I don't remember. Yeah, but pitch good. And I want him to pitch at Shea Stadium. <sighs> and Doc and me flew to New York with Billy Connors. We flew in and he pitched that game. He pitched he pitched that game. And um he beat the Mets. Ah, uh, you can't write this. You right? know, he beat the Mets. You can't write this. And he spent the rest of the year with the team. He worked, he came out of the bullpen, and he had a couple of start, starts. Was left on the World Series roster. Okay? Was left on the World Series roster. And um, got, a, got a ring. After the season... He went to spring training for two thousand uh, for two thousand and one. He went to spring training, but he it was he was shot. It's done. Steinbrenner said to him, "Look, I want you to retire, and you're going to be my special assistant." He said, "I'm going to groom you to someday be the possibly be the president of New York Yankees." Okay, that's what he told him. And uh, he was traveling all over the country with the boss. Went to the World Series, was there. You know, you could watch all the footage. You could see it. Doc was right there in the boss's seats in the dugout. The boss would be upstairs. He wanted the doc to sit right there so the people could see. You're my guy. Wow. And, and that's what happened. And then, like, two seasons in, Doc started to get the itch again. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yep. And he went back on the drugs. Mm-hmm. Like, he, 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 it started, he would leave for lunch. And then he would leave for lunch and take two hours. Leave for lunch, take three hours. And finally leave for lunch, he never came back. He got into trouble. He got arrested. I remember. He went to jail. When he went to jail, Steinbrenner screamed at me. And he rarely screamed at me. Rarely. He screamed at everybody else. He rarely screamed at me. And one day, he told somebody, tell Negron to get into my office. And I go into his office, and he said, don't you ever bring up Gooden's name again. I don't ever want to hear it. Do you understand me? Don't you ever bring him up again. And then he, now get out. And I left his office. And... About six months later, when I walk into his office, he like looks at me and he was like, had this look. So I knew something was up. I didn't know what. And then all of a sudden he goes, have you spoken to the boy? And I said, who are you talking about? And he goes, good. And and I said, are you going to start screaming? That's what I said to him. Uh And he said, have you spoken to him? I said, boss, I haven't spoken to him. He's in jail and this and that. Uh-huh. And he goes, get McNiff in here. Remember Phil McNiff, his yeah, FBI? Remember. Yes, the yes. The guy that worked for the FBI that was his uh, assistant. So I went and got McNiff and he came back and he said, Phil, I want to speak to Gooden this afternoon. So arrange for a phone call. So McNiff set it up. And about 3.30 that afternoon, they go, they set it up and so I was sitting me McNiff and the boss and the boss asked him how you doing and he said I'm doing all right I'm doing all right and uh he said you 
how they treating you over there he said no they, they they're good they're good listen I, he said I, I i'm where i'm supposed to be that's what doc said to him and he said uh don't worry son i'm gonna work i'm gonna work very hard to try to get you an early release and then when you get out you're gonna come and work for me again unbelievable and, another chance and the boss and and dwight goes no no mr steinbrenner he says i can't hurt you anymore oh, oh. and he hung up the telephone oh. and that was the last time they talked oh. and the boss literally cried he was crying like a baby and so me and phil got up and we just walked out mm. 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 sad mm. very sad yeah yeah because a sweetheart of a man doc sweetheart of a man very sad very painful yeah and yeah. they never got to see each other again oh oh do you ever talk to doc at all uh, yeah all the time there? i speak okay. to him all the time okay okay you know is he okay he's hanging in there okay day you to know? day it's crazy day day. right it's crazy it's crazy ray listen i gotta have you back um just what you do just real briefly on what you continue to do in the community. You got a soft spot in your heart with kids. I, thought, I don't know if that stems from when you saw what these, these superstars of the game can do for a kid, but just what you continue to do, and I am assuming it looks like you still love what you do. You know what? It's that I love the Yankees more than anything. You know what I'm saying? And I, I tell players and I tell kids that when a player puts on a uniform, when that player puts on, he has to take on the responsibility at the fact that it's like Superman. When Clark Kent puts on that uniform with the S on it, you, you know, you become Superman. And it's the same thing with the players. When they put on that NY, you're a superman and you have a responsibility to all of those kids to show them the right path and the right way. And if George Steinbrenner was alive today, if he was alive today, he would still be doing what he's supposed to be doing. What he felt that he was supposed to be doing besides kicking butt with on the Yankee team. But then, you know, because there was two George Steinbrenners, the, the one that would in essence, kick the crap out of you in order to win. And then the other one, which was the guy that looked out for these kids and was wonderful with these kids and the, the beauty of, of the man, uh, you know, to see the man walking into the stadium and he sees a little boy, his name is Alex Garrett, and he has one leg and he was eight years old and Steinbrenner sees him the boy, the little boy says something to him. Hey, did you see Phil Rizzuto? That's what he, the little boy said to him. Oh, I'm sure he's upstairs, son. And then he walks into the stadium. And then when he gets into the elevator, he goes, he stops it and he goes, do me a favor. Go get that kid and bring him up to my office. And we brought the little boy up to his office with, with the little boy's father that was with him. Little boy had one leg and Steinbrenner got him an employee credential, all access. Oh. And he got to watch the game. He got to watch the game for the next 10 years in the boss's office. What a beautiful story. You man. know? You know? And you probably got The little there. boy ended up going on Regis Philbin. Oh, no you kidding. Know what I'm no kidding. And yeah. he was like a grand marshal at a whatever parade oh, it was. I mean, beautiful. It was just beautiful. Beautiful, man. beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And, and 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 let me just say this: the, the the most important lesson that the boss taught me was there's a very fine line. Because you asked me, was there any jealousies? Yeah. You asked me that. Right. And that was a great question because the most important lesson that he taught me was. One, he once said to me, "Can I tell you this quick Please, story about Elston Howard?" Let's 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 do it on this. This okay. is gonna be your walk off. I'm shagging fly balls in the outfield. I'm shagging fly balls in the outfield. This is when I was a bad boy. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Steinbrenner left town. He had to go to Cleveland. 
Okay, that's where he, you know, his office and stuff that's was. That's right. I know. So yeah. he had to go to Cleveland. So <clears throat> I, it, when I was in the field, I could play a little bit. Remember, I was drafted and everything. I found out you know? watching Jim Leyritz's podcast. I did a little homework on you. The other, yeah, you uh-huh. know. And I, I second round. You were actually drafted a second round. I was a second you said round. You couldn't pick. hit. You must have had good glove. But, you know? but that blew me away. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I could play. So when I was, uh, when I was taking ground balls or taking fly balls, man, hey, I played it up, and and sometimes uh, I would get big ovations from the fans. Okay. <laughs> nice. And so can you imagine that guy that hated me, how he felt? So and stuff, but Steinbrenner loved it. He used to say, "Someday you'll be our Yankee. You're going to be our shortstop." That's what he used to say. When I got drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates, Steinbrenner was—he wasn't happy. He was very upset, and he almost fired uh, the scout that—that's in the Hall of Fame now, Pat Gillick. Gillick worked for him, okay. And Gillick has said to him, "We can draft Ray like in the tenth round, eleventh round." You know, and Steinbrenner says, we better not lose him. And and I ended up getting drafted in the second round. And he went crazy oh, on Gillick. Oh okay. God, Ray. But Gillick was right. Okay. Because when I, uh, after I, after I got, uh, when I proved to America, when I proved to America that I couldn't hit, I ended up going back to the Yankees. And Gillick loved being able to say, I told you. <laughs> okay. But let me just say this. Yes, Steinbrenner yes. leaves town. Yeah. I'm, I was out in the outfield this one day. I made a, a terrific play, a ball that was hit. Nettles was hitting. He hit a ball over the fence. I caught the ball and brought it back. You understand what I'm saying? I, oh, nah, I fl- yeah, And the yeah. crowd went nuts. You, you, you hear me? All of a sudden, that guy is walking on the field. And he came to the outfield. He grabbed me by the arm. And he walked me off the field. He took me... <clears throat> past the Yankees locker room, he held me the whole time, past the Yankees locker room into the visitors locker room. When the visitors would come into New York from their last town, they would bring all their shoes. After the game, you don't have time to clean the shoes and all that. So the next city, that clubhouse is supposed to clean the shoes. I see. Well, so when he walked me into the visitors locker room, he took me to the shoes and he goes, here. Shine the shoes. I'm sure that you know how to do that. Okay? As he said that, Elston Howard had seen what was happening. He followed us into the locker room. He, he says, hey, he belongs in our locker room. He doesn't belong in here. Hey, and, and the guy says, hey, Elston, that's not your job. He says, don't tell me what my job is. He belongs with us. Let's go. And he took me to the, what do you call it? And then when Steinbrenner came back, he told Steinbrenner what happened. And so then Steinbrenner called me into his office and he says, Ray, I see you got yourself into some trouble again. (laughs) And so then he goes, why do you think that so-and-so is, continues to pick on you this way? And I said, because he's a prejudiced SOB. And Steinbrenner goes, hmm, interesting. And he says, well, let me tell you something, young man. There's a very fine line between prejudice and jealousy. Did you ever think that he might be jealous of you? And I said, well, jealous of me, but I don't have anything. And he goes, maybe he's jealous that you have my friendship. And I just stayed quiet. And he says, as you get older, you'll, you will determine for yourself what it was. Boom! Boom. You look great. Ray Negron. Ray, thank you so much. Thank you. You know, it's funny how things come full circle. The field that we were, we were at it's called uh, Huggins Stengel Park. Huggins Stengel. Uh, Miller Huggins, a manager back in the 20s. Casey Stengel. And uh, all the greats played there. Lou Gehrig. And there's a big water tower uh, behind home plate. Uh, and you can see it in pictures. If you see like Lou Gehrig and he's in his Yankee uniform, you see the water tower. And then Ray and I had a picture 
taken right there, the water tower behind. You know, we sat in where the, the, the Yankee greats in the dugout. That's where we did that this podcast. We sat down in the dugout. I bet you he wanted to do it in right field because of his love, you know, Babe Ruth. And that's where Ray sits when he does his prayers, his writing. He goes out and he sits in right field where Babe Ruth used to stand. And I would have done it there. I was thinking about that on the drive over, but it was a little windy uh, when we first went out into the outfield. And I thought, you know what, with the podcast, I, want, I don't want the wind to be blown, even though I got a windscreen on this mic. And so we did it in the, I said, what about the dugout? He goes, that's great. Now, how ironic, I've pitched in men's leagues in Tampa Bay many times, championship game, all-star game, regular season games, on that mound, on that field. And you know what, you're going back 20 years, you know, 15 years, 20 years. And, yeah, I knew, okay, the Yankees used to play here. And I had seen one or two pictures, but I didn't, you know, I didn't put as much stock into it. You know, as my game. Heck, I've drank beer in the parking lot there. You know, near my, I had a truck at the time, and we would kind of hang after the game, you know. And, oh, it was fantastic. But to see the history and what they're doing, the city of St. Petersburg is funding this program for kids that would never have an opportunity. They've got... All kinds of computers in what used to be the clubhouse in there. Uh, there's like a little mini TV station, and they're helping these kids get off the streets. The guy that runs it, Sean, what a nice guy. He told me he's, he's there 17 years. He thought it was just going to be a temporary job, and he's still there. And they were showing me around. He's bringing it back like the manager's office. There's an old, 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 old deck there, a, a desk there. And wow, the manager had made decisions like, look at that. The lockers of Lou Gehrig and Babe Ruth are in their rightful place. They were like right where they had their lockers uh, in this building, like the old clubhouse at this field. So it was just so cool. Ray is such a historian for Yankee history that he's got two places. He lives in New York and he also has a little place in, uh, in St. Pete. Uh, and he said when he flies in, when he comes in to town from New York, he goes right to Huggins Stengel Field. That's his first stop before he even goes home. How about that? How about that? Now, a little bit on the, uh, oh, 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 one more thing I wanted to let you know. So, you know, eventually I'm going to build this thing and we're going to be putting this on YouTube and there'll be video. But for now, it's me. I like going to wherever my subjects are, especially with COVID. But even so, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that they do it. So I'll come to you. So I got my tripod, my two mic stands, and uh, my two mics and my headphones and my little Zoom recorder. And so I don't want to be holding up a phone while I'm doing this. You know, I don't want to, you know, eventually I'll figure it out and stay you know, set up a camera so you can see it. A lot of these, I'm sure you'd love to be seeing sitting in the dugout with, with Ray, they, where the Yankee greats were and stuff and take some video. That'd be, that'd be fantastic. But, uh, you know, I know how it goes. Like you want to have some shot, uh, pictures of Ray and I or Ray and a couple of different ones. So I, when I post, you don't have the same, you know, for a week when this the this podcast drops, podcast drops, you want to have a couple different pictures. And Ray was so emotional when he was thinking about George Steinbrenner, about his life and things like that. And when it was so tough, he and his wife at the time, they were struggling and it got to food stamps and he was getting emotional. He was crying. I'm sitting across from him in the dugout and he's got tears rolling down his cheeks. And I thought to myself, like, damn, I really should take a picture because that's, look at how emotional Ray is. The lump came up, you know, in this in this podcast. And I'm like, no. And then he cried again. And a third time. And I'm like, no. This this isn't, you know, he's pouring his heart out here to me and to to, uh, to you guys. Honest, would take a picture and snap it? How rude. You know, so I'm sorry, I don't have any picture. If this was on video and it was on YouTube, we would capture that. You know what I mean? But I just really appreciate Ray and, and just being so honest. And how about that, though? That's not a fluke. You're working 48 years on a day. Your life can change like that. Like, you never know. You never know 
who you're going to run into that can change your life, good or bad, hopefully good. You know what I'm saying? But you just never know. Right place, right time, must have meant to be. He tripped, boom, he got caught, the other boys ran, and the next thing you know, that night, he's wearing the Yankee pinstripes inside the historic Yankee Stadium as a bat boy, you know, and then he comes to work the next day, and then he's there 48 years later. The thing about Doc Gooden, I remember... And Ray was even telling me a little bit. He also had helped, tried to help uh, Daryl Strawberry. That's really where it started. Straw and then Doc Gooden. They both were uh, going through their issues with the coke at the time, cocaine. And being in the Tampa Bay area, Doc Gooden grew up in Tampa, so I was very familiar. I was back in Jersey when Doc Gooden was the rookie with the Mets. That fastball, that curveball that he had, he was so damn good. And the partying yeah, Mets team. And then you combine that with Doc and his addiction. You know, he liked the nose candy, the blow. And I mean, but I've, there was a couple, I've interviewed him a couple of times. And there was one time where he came in to the station that I was at, Bay News 9. We used to bring in guests. And I remember asking, he was sitting there on set with me, just the two of us. It was an interview type deal. And I remember asking him about his dad and He's same thing. He just started, he started tearing up and then he just started crying, you know? And I think when, when, when that happens, the best thing you can do as an interviewer, this is my, you know, my take it, my feelings are just be quiet. Just, you want to, you know, you know, console him. I'm sorry. You know, you just don't, don't interrupt. Don't butt in. Just, just, just let him, let it, get it out, get it out. And it was that same thing when Doc Gooden came in. But Doc Gooden is a nice, nice, nice man. He's just addicted. And I was wondering, how is he doing, Ray? Ray's it day to day, day to day. Now, I, th there was going to be a reunion uh, at the fan, WFAN in New York, just a couple of short years ago. It wasn't too long, maybe two, three. And I remember, I think, Doc, it just didn't, he... You know, there was a 30 for 30 with Doc and Straw, and Strawberry looks good. He looks, you know, he looks he looks healthy. Doc looked too, 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 too skinny, withdrawn, like just didn't have that look. So I'm hoping. But I remember talking to an addictions addiction specialist telling me, because I was telling this story. I'm like, a couple people I know, man, that like, you know, are addicted to drugs are like, like good people. He goes, they usually are. They have a good heart. It's the it's an addiction. Doesn't make them a bad person. They just they're they're, 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 they're you know that's what he's got. But anyway, uh, I wish him well. I really really do. One funny little story. Isn't it funny? Like how you know Ray opened up. He told me he told us that story that he had never told before when he was so down and out on his luck, when he went to Hollywood, didn't work out, came back, blah, 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 didn't have any money, they were struggling at the food stamps, and he, you know, he didn't want his wife at the time to go down to George, and George gave his son the money, and Roy, Ray started crying, and, um, uh, and, you know, he said he had never told that story before, and it's just, I don't know what it is, I just have a, a, a good connection with Ray. It's not like I've interviewed him many times, a couple of times, Seen him a few times, and he must he has respect for me. I think I certainly have respect for him, and he's the real deal. Like you can follow him on his stuff, his Instagram. Like he really is. He was giving out masks, food. Uh, I remember in the Bronx, going into storefronts and schools. He's always talked to kids. He's doing it still to this day. And a funny little story. I hadn't seen Ray in you know quite a few years. And this was about two years ago, maybe three years ago. We went on a cruise out of Jersey, uh, not far from New York City, on the Jersey side. I don't know if it was Jersey City. It was, it was close, you know. And it was a family thing. I had never been on a cruise before. It was not my thing, but we went. It was good. It was a family thing. It was really very, 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 very nice. And... My wife said, "Why don't we? Why don't we uh, see your brother and his kids?" My my brother Patrick, he went to Fordham. He's got that New York in his blood, and they live in Williamsburg section of Brooklyn. 
and it's always a pain to get there, man. There's no easy way, you know what I mean? And uh, But, you know, we want to see my brother, his kids, and so, okay. So we went on this cruise, and when we, we uh, docked, you know, we came back into port, and then we went over to New York. And we were walking around Manhattan for the day because my brother was still at his job. And here we are in massive Manhattan with millions of people and boom ray rock hey ray how you doing hey this is my family this is my wife emily here's my son hunter here's my little daughter Addie. how you doing ray and he goes how you doing uh, how about that we ran into each other just randomly on the streets in new york city and i said all right hopefully i'll see you back in the in st p in tampa bay and he had a play a musical, yeah, a, what, a year ago, two years ago, a year and a half ago, and it was coming through the Tampa Bay area, and he came in, he came in with the, the singer, the lead actor, great voice, really, really good, came in on a morning on a radio show that I was doing with uh, Martin Gramatica, Martin wasn't there that day, but um, just a good guy. And so I just think that that's an incredible story. So, I mean, the, the moral of the story is, look, he's, you, know, you know why he's still employed for 48 years in the Yankees organization? Because he stuck to that promise that he made to George Steinbrenner. You make a promise. Remember how I had, I don't know, episode number two or three, Ira Kaufman. He is a Hall of Fame writer, reporter, journalist. He works for Joe Buck's fan now. Um, and at, during the Super Bowl week, I sat down with Ira, and I said, Ira, and he's another guy. He's been in the business for 40-some years. If somebody is paying you to do a job for 40-some years, you're doing something right. And I said, what is it? How did you withstand so long? And he's like, your word. Your word means everything. Your word. It's your reputation. And I think in this one, he made a promise to George Steinbrenner that he would never, you know, obviously draw graffiti again, but he would just live life right. He would, he would, you know, and, he, and he's doing it to this day, you know? So, but you never know. You never, his life changed in one split second and it could for you. You never know. You never know. Keep positive. And there you go. Who am I to be giving advice? All right. I got a couple of different choices I'm working on next week. I got a couple of different ways I can go. Listen, like, subscribe, leave a comment, share it, tell people about the Rock Stops here. I really appreciate this thing. And uh, my thank you to Ray Negron. And I'll talk to you next week on the Rock Stops here. I'm Jerry P. Tuck, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. 